The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, it finally happened. We saw a three-handle on spot corn futures on the day Friday. That's right. We put a three in front of March corn futures on the day Friday. So rounding out the week on a tough note overall. We're going to talk about that more here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us on the program. Happy to have you along for the conversation as we take a look at what is happening in the markets here today. Tough markets to look at, especially on the grain side as we continue to have bearish pressure in these markets really across the board. We're going to get some perspective on the grains and more. Jim Emter with Van Onnen Company is going to join us here today for a conversation in segment two and three. So looking forward to that discussion with Jim. It's been a little while since we've had him on the show and I'm looking forward to catching up and uh, talking about these markets and trying to find something good to say about this grain and oilseed trade, no doubt. So we'll uh, hopefully do that and put some perspective on things. Coming up here with Jim Emter in a, just a little bit on the show. Also coming up at the end of the program, we're going to have a new voice join us to talk markets and give us some perspective on the Catalan feed report out Friday after the close seeing what those numbers look like, how it could impact the markets as we get into next week. Matthew Bresnahan with Blue Line Futures is going to join us for a conversation. He's a market strategist with Blue Line. He is uh, going to join the show coming up in segment four today as we take a look at that cattle on feed report and more. So a jam-packed Market Talk program for you here today. Thanks again for joining us. Let's kick things off and get a little bit of market perspective. I talked with Ryan Moe from Stone X. He filled in for Arlen Suderman on our Friday midday commentary around the new hour on Friday. And Ryan and I talked about just how it's not really fun to look at these grain markets here as we've gone through this week and putting that three handle in spot corn, etc. However, we also did highlight the hog market, $100 summer hogs. What's going on there? Here are some comments uh, with Ryan Moe from Stone X from our midday commentary on Friday, starting with Ryan's thoughts in the grain trade. We did dip to a low of 398.5. That was really sad to see that because seeing corn with a three on it is kind of sad to see because it's been since November of 2020 since we did see those levels. However, when you look at that record short fund position, something that's very important to note is that the carry that is in the market when the March is going to have to roll to the May contract here in just a few days, what happens there is the funds pick up an extra 13 cents to bolster their position. And with that being the case, it just makes them think of this thing kind of using the old Vegas adage, which is let your winners ride. And that's what these positions have been for the funds is they've been very strong winning positions only to get better when we roll through the May contract for them. Well, I know it's it's just kind of an interesting situation overall. I mean, whether we're talking the board or basis or whatever, it's just I, I've used the, the term this bearish chokehold on these grain markets. And I know a lot of folks just uh, kind of turning a, a blind eye to some degree to to what is moving in these markets because nothing's seemingly changing right now, Ryan. We are seeing disengagement 
I don't want to say it's at an all-time high, but it's very, very high right now for that exact reason. The bearish chokehold has somewhat turned into a bit of a sleeper hold because people have just had this market knock them unconscious. Well, I know one uh, market that is doing a bit better. You look over at livestock hogs, for instance. Summer hogs back over a hundred bucks here this week. That is uh, that's something that I didn't have on my bingo card at the start of the year, Ryan. No, but it's something that we do need to celebrate. The hog industry faced massive, massive challenges last year, and that's a demand sector that's very, very important for us in the Midwest. And we want to make sure that we are celebrating the win here at $100 hogs for July, which traded there yesterday and then back again today. Will it sustain? I'm not sure about that, but it is one thing that this is a good opportunity for some folks to take some lower price feed with some higher priced hogs and hopefully get some margins back in place so that we can get uh, more and more hog producers in the black. Once again, Ryan Moe there with Stonex filling in for Arlen Suderman on the day Friday for our midday commentary. It's always great to talk with Ryan every now and then and get his thoughts on the market trade. So appreciate him joining us. Hey, also, I want to uh, do a, a quick plug. Commodity Classic, of course, this week ahead in Houston, Texas at the George R. Brown Convention Center. And on Thursday and Friday during the trade show, we're going to be broadcasting Market Talk live with the National Corn Growers Association from 2 to 3 Central Time right in their booth, 7405. So if you are going to be a Commodity Classic here uh, this next week in Houston, swing on by while we are broadcasting the uh, live show and say hi. would love to see you there in Houston, Texas. Again, we are going to be doing that from 2 to 3 Central Time with the National Corn Growers Association booth, 7405 on Thursday and Friday in Houston, Texas during Commodity Classic. So looking forward to that. All right, well, let's take a look at a few news headlines here before we get to the break and get ready for our conversation with Jim Emter from Van On and Company. Well, of course, the news coming out that EPA has approved a request from governors in eight states uh, to allow the year-round sale of gasoline blended with up to 15% ethanol, but the approval doesn't start until next year, 2025. More response and reaction to the news. Walt Wendland, president, CEO, and chairman of the board for the Ringneck Energy Ethanol Plant in Oneida, South Dakota, one of the eight states approved, said the approval is long overdue. We sure appreciate the governor's actions to be part of the eight governors that uh, took the initiative to file this with the EPA. It's just been a real example of... Um, government slowness and not ability to get the job done leaves us open this summer without the ability for E15. Definitely going to cost more at the gas pump without the E15 option because the ethanol is so cheap relative to gas right now. So as an industry, we're, we're really pretty disappointed that uh, it took so long and we're trying to find other options to You'll get a waiver to allow E15 through the summer like they have the last couple of years. But we were hoping that we didn't need to take that route again. Now, in 2022 and 23, the Biden administration granted emergency waivers allowing the summertime sale of E15. Wendland says they were hoping to not have to go that route this summer, but they do. Every two weeks, he has to declare an emergency waiver for E15 in order to be able to keep the gas prices down. 
he originally said he wasn't going to do that again, but I think he's starting to soften a little bit on his position with the price of gas as high as it is. Our net back right now at the plant's like a dollar forty to a dollar forty-five, and uh, you can see what gas prices are. Once again, that is comments with Walt Wendland from Ringneck Energy in Oneida, South Dakota. Along with South Dakota, the approval permits the summertime sale of E15 in Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, and Wisconsin. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at what is going on in the markets. Pretty tough uh, market trade action here this past week, including putting a three in front of spot corn futures at times on the day Friday. We are going to discuss and get some perspective with Jim Enter from Van Ott and Company. It's great to have him back on the program with us. He'll join us next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk here today as we are recapping Friday's market trade action and again put a three handle on the corn market and spot futures. March corn closing six and a quarter lower, 399 and three quarters. July corn was down four and a half, 426 and a quarter on the day Friday. New crop December corn down three and three quarters, 449 and a half. March beans down 14 and three quarters at 1133. July beans down nine and a half, 1151 and a quarter. New crop November beans down four and three quarters at 1130 and a quarter. March bean meal down 340 a ton, 33150. March bean oil down 19 points, 4402. Chicago wheat, March down nine and three quarters, 573 and a half. July 10 lower at 570 on Friday. Kansas City wheat, March down five and a quarter, 568 and three quarters. July down eight at 558. Spring wheat, March 11 and a quarter lower at 640. July spring wheat down eight as well at 651 and three quarters on the day Friday. So again, not uh, fun markets to look at in grains. Had a good day in livestock, though. February live cattle up 210, 185.60. April up 135, 187.90. June live cattle up 117, 183.87. March feeder cattle up 252, 254.57. April up 327, 259.97. And in hogs, April finished unchanged at 87.20. May hogs 52 higher, 90.85. And June hogs up 45. At 99.37. Again, that's a recap of some of the closing numbers on Friday's session. Back in the grains, again, uh, tough markets to look at throughout the entire week. And putting a three-handle on spot corn to end the week is not a great sight. We're going to try to talk about it, though, here and uh, put some perspective on where things stand. Joining us now on Market Talk for Market Analysis it's great to have him back on the program with us. Been a little while. Jim Emter with Van On and Company joins us here on the show. And Jim, thanks again for joining us here. Not fun markets to talk about in the grains, but appreciate you uh, being with us here today. Hope you're doing well. 
Thanks, Jesse. All good here, and we appreciate joining you here today. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, definitely. So let's uh, let's kind of take a thousand foot view at this grain market to start, and of course, you know, kind of the headline on on Friday is that we threw a three handle on the spot corn contract, which I know a lot of producers are just probably groaning as I say that. It's been a pretty tough environment here the last uh, couple of weeks, really, really since the beginning of the year. I just feel like these markets, the funds have just been stomping on these grain markets and continuing the downside pressure. I mean, your perspective, kind of thousand foot view here in the grains as we look at things, wrap it up the week. Well, let's start out a little history. So we talked about that three handle being put on corn. This is the first time on the continuous charts since November 9th of 2020 that we will print a three handle on that corn market. So, I mean, that's going back some time. That is post to ratio as the market was trying to digest that. Since that time in November 9th, we have not been back below the $3 mark, uh, really $4, we should say, uh, in that corn front month contract for that extended period. So this has been a number of years of good prices for our producer's sake. You know, cattle and hog guys will argue, hey, we had to endure that. So again, you know, we kind of see this coming around circle where they'll get some benefit out of this. But when we look at that big view of these markets, we've got to realize that we love saying the trend is your friend. And when you see a market that continues to capitulate upon each other, you've got index funds, you've got managed money that see little interest. You've got a market that continues to back away from uh, Fed comments to say, hey, maybe it's going to be summer, maybe it's going to be fall before we see uh, that interest rate change. So again, that that catalyst of outside influences just really doesn't support the corn market right now. And then when you dig into the S&Ds, you look at the charts uh, and you look at that managed money flow as a conjunction along with the seasonalities, and we just don't have a lot to grab onto. I mean, the best opportunities were between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, whereas usually we see that opportunity from Christmas into that February timeframe fade off here to March 15th and then try to build back off of that. But Jesse, I think we're in an environment where let's go find the low, let's get as low as we need to get to, and, and let's get this over with. So that way, again, we can begin to look at some stability in the market, because until we can print a base bottom, there's impossibilities to measure off of. You can't really go off any numbers here on recovery points, and it's just down until we're done. And the concern is we keep going down and no new export business comes in on a major token. So th that's the caveat. Usually the just like the cure for high prices is high prices. Generally, the cure for low prices is low prices. But where are we getting that boost of demand that all of a sudden gets people to say, hey, maybe we're not a 2122 carryout. Maybe we're a 2 to 19 carryout. And those are the catalysts that bottom market. So that that 10,000 foot view, that big perspective is, hey, there is not a lot of bull news around. Argentina is going to have a boomer of a crop as it appears. Brazil, while production is going to be down versus the early start of the year, this is still going to be the second largest crop. So, And with demand a little bit suspect as we work ahead from other countries as they go elsewhere, it's just not the setup and the 10,000 foot view is bearish. And that's why we see markets that are fading here right now. Yeah, no, great perspective on that, Jim. And I, I think about this too, you know, you mentioned going to find that low and I don't think we've found it yet here. And, and I say that because, you know, we saw a little bit of a short covering rally earlier in the week coming out of the holiday weekend, but, and that was quickly sold. It, it felt like some producers took advantage and, and sold that rally as quickly as it came earlier in the week. And now here we are pushing lower again. So it just feels like that until we really find that low, to your point, uh, you know, we might have a few short covering rallies here and there on on news blips, but 
until we hit that low, man, oh, man, it just feels like this bearish trend is going to continue, Jim. Yep. And, you know, like I said, I think sometimes as analysts, we get guilty of trying to drum up the story. Hey, we're down. So we got to paint all this bear information that makes people very bearish as we get to the bottom of the market. A lot like it does towards the top of the market. Boy, everything's bullish. It's hot. It's dry. It's this or that. So we've got to be a little bit cognizant of saying, hey, okay, we're getting near an area of support. Uh, I don't think corn's going to zero, nor do you, Jesse, Uh, at least at this juncture after crude oil went negative 42 in COVID years. It re-caused our thinking a little bit of what markets can do uh, when people are trying to get out. But with funds so short, there's two big things that I really want to focus on that can give us at least a base of support. And then after that, we're going to need a spark. And those two things are, number one, we need this farmer selling to wane off a little bit. And what what is the problem right now? Well, March futures are coming into first notice next week. So anybody that's got basis contracts, anybody that's paying storage, anybody that's looking at their interest costs and saying, hey, this is starting to add up, is saying, oh my goodness, you've got me over a barrel. It's time for me to just puke out and I'll try to own it back if the market starts to recover. You know, and that's an attitude. A lot of people miss that opportunity because they're not structured in their discipline. But, you know, that's really the feature that we're looking at here is we've got to get past this March expiration. I think that can be point one to at least creating some stability around the market, because I think there are, like you said, on rallies, farmer selling that's occurring. The second thing here is achieving price counts. So we know that four dollars is an important level. $11 in beans, we don't spend a lot of time between 11 and 12. We either go down to the dumps or we get it back above 12. If we look at price counts right now, the next price count for March corn is 382. If we look to beans right now, you've got $11 and then 1068. So to me, those bigger counts are 1182 in March corn, that 1068 in March soybeans. And if we go out to the next month, just add the carry to it and it's gonna put you in a perspective. If we can get past the March contracts, find a base into that area, that can gain some support. But to rally out of here, we need a spark in South America, dryness in Safrina corn country. We need a boost of demand or we need spring problems in the US planting. Without any of those three, and we could add Russia, Ukraine, but that story just seems to be dragging on. So that kind of gets pushed off to the side. Big deal over there, but nothing mm-hmm. even imminent right now. Those are the stories to get a spark. But first, we need the base. And to get a base, I think we need the two sets. And then we need a spark after that to get a rally. To your point about the farmer selling, uh, that's that's a great point you raised there as well. I, you know, I think we've seen a lot of farmers have been rolling and rolling and rolling into the carries in these contracts. And to your point, they're finally just kind of at a point where, all right, I, I just got to puke out of this thing and and take what is there and look at some re-ownership because I, I just think it's at that point where you've rolled so much that you're kind of up against it in this window, Jim. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you come from a market, I mean, you think of inverse markets, you know, that's the hindrance to marketers is when you get those inverse markets, hey, I'm selling at a great price here, but I don't like that new crop price or I don't like, you know, that opportunity. So we've transitioned over the last really seven months from an inverse market to a a more solid carry market. And then we come in here on any basis contracts they've had or unmarketed grain. And yes, you're running into that circumstance where, yeah, we had some good basis levels last summer, but that kind of uh, rolled over here into harvest and having a better crop basis generally staying neutral to widening. And, you know, you start rolling out those contracts, you know, at 10 to 20 cents a pop, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a price that's not attractive and and you're looking at at least May, if not July on two more carry rolls. And so again, that's, I, I agree, Jesse, it just, it's causing that flush of grain, 
Let's stop it. I'll try to own it back. Either way, they're going to have to try to manage that carry and be disciplined. I'm just saying to really get a spark here, we need one of those three bigger stories to happen, either in China, uh, the U.S. front in spring weather, or a Safrina South American story. Well, good thoughts and uh, good things to think about here in the markets. And we are going to continue our conversation with Jim Emter from Van On and Company here on today's Market Talk. Uh, I want to get into some thoughts on what this acreage battle could mean getting into the spring planting season. That might be another story to look at going with uh, some of the stories Jim's talking about. So we're going to talk about that and more market analysis on the other side of the break. We'll be back with Market Talk and Jim Emter on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We're having a conversation today on Market Talk with Jim Emter from Van On and Company. Jim, as we look at these grain markets a little bit too, I'd love your thoughts uh, just as we get set, you know, thinking about some of those different uh, news stories here. You know, spring planting's right around the corner. We got fertilizer to think about. We're setting crop insurance prices as well. I think that acreage conversations, maybe another one I could throw in there with you and, and some of the things we're going to watch coming up here. And you know, you're in Minnesota, spring wheat country. I mean, you know, one has to wonder, how much could this acreage battle shift over the next couple of months and maybe play into these markets one way or another, Jim? What do you think about that? Well, I think it's occurring. I, I mean, I think the Outlook Forum actually is going to look back and say, hey, we hit the nail on the head with 91 million acres of corn. Um, we were of the mindset that corn wins the game at the end of the day with these high land rents. But, you know, as a you know, producers sit down with bankers and look to some of the cash flow and the origination and expenses and whatnot. You know, it may be a little different outcome with these prices continuing to sag here at this juncture unless something changes by spring. So at 91 million acres, a 181 trend line yield, I would argue let's start with 178 and let's prove that we can get something bigger than trend line. But again, if we start looking at those numbers, okay, we're 2.2 two to 2.5 billion bushel carryout. Okay, you know, hey, that's manageable to where if we get some crop scares, we can get up back near $5 a new crop and that fits. So I'm hoping that that 91 million acres comes into scope. We start getting up to 92, 93. I think that becomes even more problematic for corn. And so that's the foundation where I think, hey, you know, we settle in there. Uh, as you look to the soybean complex at 87.5 million acres, I think that's a circumstance too, where with these lower prices, I'm not sure what they're going to go to, whether it be sorghum, cotton, you know, some of these other base, uh, you know, crops. But when you look to the bean complex, maybe some more available switches that occur there, some specialty crops, uh, some seed beans versus regular beans, just trying to look to drum up those premiums. And that creates a situation where 86.5 to 87.5, I still think fits in the mix. 
As for the spring wheat, it takes a pretty big rally to get these guys to cash flow in spring wheat. So a lot of those are based off more rotational uh, scope things. But we already know winter wheat acres were about a million less than forecasted. Could spring wheat follow that trend and be less than forecasted? Again, these crops got to go somewhere, Jesse, because farmers just aren't going to let it set aside unless we have some PP circumstances. But yes, I do think we're starting to gain some confidence in 91 million corn, gain some confidence on around 86.5 to 87.5 soybeans. And, you know, I think that wheat market, especially with some of the weather trends long term, let's not forget we're in a super El Nino coming off that right now. A lot of meteorological trends are forecasting La Nina by summer. If you overlay your similar, if we follow that pattern, again, we struggle to forecast two weeks out, let alone four or five months out. But if we come to circumstance with a super El Nino to La Nina transition, it could spell hot and dry after about June 5th, June 10th on that front. So a wet spring, hot, cool, we'll see. But some coolness in Alaska has got my attention for next week that could shift down into the U.S., create that spring story, and then the follow-up thereafter, hot, dry, it, it could get interesting. But again, I, I'm trying to just say that's a base pattern to our clientele. We can't yeah. forecast two weeks out, let alone, you know, four <laughs> months out. So please, that's a general trend. Take it with a grain of salt. But we've got to be aware of that because usually we see one or two good rallies within a growing season. And we just got to be mentally ready for that. No, that's a good thought. Good thought for sure. And, and I think, too, you know, not getting into specific recommendations or things like that, but to something you kind of mentioned earlier, having a plan, there are tools in the toolbox that you can use in this window here. We may not love some of these prices we're looking at, but there are opportunities out there. And, and you know, talk to someone, right? Talk to a, a market advisor such as yourself and, and try to have a plan in place to manage your risk and, and manage uh, manage your operation, I think. It's, we have to be smart marketers in an environment exactly. like this, right, Jim? Yep. Well, and 100%. And, and that's the big thing is, you know, a lot of doom and gloom is around the market. And that's what happens near bottoms of markets. So that's the reality of what we're in. But there's a very important statistic we need to come back to. We talked about it last year. And at times we got beat up over it. But ultimately it came, you know, to fruition. It's come to fruition, you know, 20 years back in both the corn and soybean market. And that is being ready to implement that plan. You can have a great plan, but if it never gets implemented, you know, that's where the fault is. Uh, a point we want to make is, hey, generally on average, over the last 20 years, we've been able to get 20% over the February crop insurance price, or six, excuse me, 16% over the February crop insurance price in corn and 14% in soybeans. When we look to that foundation, if we even start looking at a 10% boost, that takes us up near this 497 area, $5 level for new crop corn. I can imagine if we get there, Jesse, there's probably going to be something bullish around that might get a producer to freeze and say, oh, man, it's hot in my backyard or it's hot in southern Minnesota, you know, hot in Iowa, dry in Iowa. Maybe I should step back. I heard on the radio now that people are getting bullish. You know, that's where the discipline needs to come in. So, you know, I think those are important points, 16 percent over on average that corn spring price, 14 uh, percent in soybeans. I'm trying to use five to 10 percent over and tell guys, hey, how does that fit into our technical price counts? And let's be ready to market into it. But it's that action plan that matters at the key time. And I think that's going to come usually when most producers are busy. So. Yeah, no, uh, very good perspective on that. Jim, we should touch on livestock real quick. I know uh, cattle market, uh, good, strong gains on Friday ahead of the cattle on feed report. I know we don't have those numbers in front of us quite yet here, but a pretty good end of the week there. And, and hogs too, summer hogs putting some 100s on the board here this week. So, you know, on the flip side, it's pretty positive over 
in the livestock sector right now for our cattle folks and our hog producers. I mean, any thoughts or notes you're keeping an eye on there uh, in the livestock trade, Jim? Well, I think, um, you know, first off, let's talk feeder cattle and live cattle. It wasn't too long ago, about a month and a half, two months ago, that the same doldrums that exist within the grain market were the cattle market. I mean, we were talking about, wow, the tops are in, you know, is this market ever going to recover? We're two standard deviation from linear regression. Why is this getting so ugly with supply structures that maybe are a little friendly? Oh, my goodness, the economy might fall apart. So that's why, you know, again, the whole emotional roller coaster existed there. And now we find ourselves, you know, 70, 80% retraced at at this point in feeder cattle, live cattle, we're nearing second and third price counts. Um, again, those cattle on feed numbers are anticipated to be a bit friendly, showing continued supply concerns over the next year and a half, but more imminent, uh, the cattle on feed report focusing on just this segment right now. I think we just got to bottle that all up and realize that, again, there's unforecastable things with our economy that even our Fed doesn't have a clue on right now. They they know they need to be careful lowering rates. They know they don't want to raise them anymore because of the pain it brings. They're trying to float into the soft landing area. I just think we've got to realize with us trading second, third price count showing significant retracements, I think that feeder cattle market is the first one to maybe have a volatile 10 days ahead, try to create more of a structure of a topping type market, and then begin to struggle a bit more. So I'm really encouraging feeder cattle uh, producers to make sure you've got that foundational floor in there, whether it be the crop in, or the, the cattle insurance or an option, put option, or a sale with the call. I can't get into too many details, understand your margin risk, past performance, not indicative, you know, we've got to do all that, but just make sure you've got a base because there's your opportunity. You've had, you know, rougher years, high grain prices. Now you're coming into your prime. You can get some coverage in corn. You can come in here and get feeder cattle covered up into those price counts, even live cattle. June is into a gap fill area. We've got foundation around that in regards to opportunity for profits. Just get a floor underneath yourself. And a lot of these gaps, it took some time to get back to. We've got gaps in corn and beans, you know, that are a buck higher right now in beans. And and, and so we got to keep in mind, cattle may have given us an opportunity to see how grains can recover down the road. But in my opinion, the cattle guy, it's time to get covered and out there at $100 hog prices there too. Find some risk management ways to get a floor underneath yourself, allow for that upside potential, because again, we've made some nice recoveries and we're getting into price counts that I think are a little bit edgy as to, yes, we got a supply story, but that demand story better stay strong or else we can fall apart pretty quick. Well, I'll add to that, the risk of trading futures and options could be substantial, of course. You know, we want to remember that everyone's operation is different and uh, great stuff, Jim. Really, really uh, appreciate the conversation. And, you know, final thoughts from you real quick. We covered a bunch, a lot to think about over a, a long weekend and, and get into the end of the month here in February. I mean, what would you reiterate to producers? So what do you want them to remember in this window across the board, Jim? I think just remember that emotions can run high and oftentimes emotion running decisions can really impact, um, you know, the bottom line. Um, look at those bottom line circumstances, set and be ready for a marketing plan as we work ahead. I think we're going to get one to two good opportunities as we work through spring and summer. I don't know what those will be right now, Jesse, and everybody's struggling to find that bull spark. But when we find it with funds probably record short after today with the commitment of traders this afternoon, we'll see where it comes in. Um, with everybody leaning hard one way, the producers are so long. I just want people to be ready, realize that circumstances can change very quickly and defend decisions. I mean, if, if you're making a decision right now that's not profitable, you better have a plan on how to make sure you cover it in case something changes. And that's the big thing we're stressing to producers. We've got good percentages marketed, that's great, but we still got work to do, 24, 25, and 
and years ahead, we've got these dynamics to work through until, until something significantly changes. So work on that plan, implement it, and then defend it when needed. Jim, if folks need some advice to work on that plan with and they want to reach out to you and the team there at Van On and Company, how can they get a hold of you guys, Jim? Give us a call, 800-648-5494. We've got a great team here of 18 licensed brokers. Or check us out on the web, www.vananco.com. Jim Emter with Van On and Company. Jim, great to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk. Look forward to getting you back on the show again in the future. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Always appreciate it. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you very much. Do appreciate it. Once again, Jim Emter with Van On and Company joining us here on Market Talk today. And as he said, learn more online, vanonco.com. All right, coming up next, Catalan feed numbers out after the close on Friday from USDA. What do those numbers have to say? We're going to take a deeper dive into the latest Catalan feed report and get some market perspectives from a new voice here on the program. Matthew Bresnahan, market strategist with Blue Line Futures, is going to join us for a conversation and a recap of the latest cattle on feed numbers. Looking forward to having him join us here on Market Talk. We will get to that conversation with Matthew Bresnahan from Blue Line Futures all the way next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. market information that matters to you on market talk now back to jesse allen well the cattle on feed numbers out on friday after the close and it looks like some of these numbers may be a little off the pre-report estimates we're going to talk about that and get some market perspective from a new voice here on the show today matt bresnahan with blue line futures joins us matt great to talk with you thanks for joining us on the show appreciate the time hope you're doing well thanks jesse thank you for having me on well, let's start with that Catalan feed report. Everyone was kind of watching that placements number, 7% below 2023. I think that's maybe a little off some of those pre-report estimates. On feed was up slightly as well. Uh, I guess just give me your uh, your thoughts on those Catalan feed numbers and, and what they could mean for this uh, cattle market that had a pretty solid day on Friday I just wonder what this could mean for this market heading into next week. What do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of the price action today was an anticipation of a bullish report. A lot of times when, you know, the expectations are for a bullish report, it's never bullish enough. But what we saw today, it was a bit of a surprise. You know, expectations pre-report were for placements to be down approximately 12.3%. So that, you know, that 7.4% placement number year over year. It took the wind out of the sails a little bit. We'll probably see the follow through you know, on Monday. One of the things you know about the Catalan feed reports is that it comes out after the market closes. So, you know, people with positions on are you know typically him and hawing on on the report the entire weekend. So, 
you do see a little bit of an additional follow through. Now, you know, the feedlot herd rose uh, by 0.4% with the expectation that it would only rise, you know, 0.1%. So in that aspect, you know, it was a little bit of a bear surprise, but fundamentally speaking, you know, the balance sheets are still extremely tight. Um, you know, the rally that we've seen over the last handful of weeks, it's not like it's unsubstantiated. Uh, it, it makes a ton of sense, especially, you know, with how tight the available supply is. Now, what you have seen, if you're looking at the technical side, you know, looking at a standard 14-day RSI, you know, you have had some bearish divergence um, in both, you know, the front month uh, live cattle and feeder cattle contracts, you know, over the last week or so. So, you know, there, there is a likelihood uh, that we will see a correction here, but you know, I don't think it will be um, akin to you know the major breakdown that we saw in late October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and to that point as well, you know, uh, comparatively to the grains, which has been a, a tough market to watch, and that's a whole other story we can talk about in a second. But you know, cattle have had a pretty nice rally here since really the beginning of the year when we hit some of those lows in the fall. And I know a lot of cattle producers are are happy or happier than they were a few months back, but also uh, got to be a smart marketer in here in terms of what's going on in this cattle market, don't you, Matt? Absolutely. You know, over the last, you know, once bearish divergence, it, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things to look for, you know, using a standard 14-day RSI, particularly on the cattle contracts, because, you know, it kind of serves as the canary in the coal mine. You know, hey, this rally is starting to slow down. This could be an opportune, a very good opportunity, you know, if you had been long to lower or, you know, decrease your exposure. But, you know, if you're, if you have exposure to it, you know, on the cash side, it's a tremendous opportunity to extend coverage, you know, moving forward. I mean, it's, it's not like the opportunity is going to go away and prices are just going to fall out of bed all at once. Um, You know, particularly with how tight the balance sheets remain, fundamentally speaking. Sure. Today's report was a bit of a disappointment holistically, you know, things look pretty good. Um, You know, it's almost (laughs) an exact opposite of what we're kind of seeing, you know, in the grain markets. In the grain markets, it does kind of feel like death by a thousand cuts. You know, the slow bleed across corn and beans particularly, you know, it it doesn't feel great. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that comes with, being involved in the markets is that, you know, you have to kind of deal with the cards that are being put forth and, you know, managing your risk. So is there a probability that we'll get a short covering rally? More than likely not. Absolutely. And it could come sooner rather than later, but it's prudent to acknowledge that there is a possibility that prices continue to go lower. Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a very, very great point. Uh, and uh, one note, too, I was going to throw out there, uh, cold storage report, USDA did come out with a note, said they're delaying that until Monday. So we'll get that set of numbers on Monday afternoon, see if that has any impact in the cattle and hog markets. But to your point in grains here, uh, Matt, just this bearish weight, it continues. And, you know, throwing a three-handle on spot corn on Friday, not something that folks want to see. And I know that 
uh, I'm hearing a lot of producers are making some tough calls with options expiration coming up here on March contracts. I mean, some folks are just saying, okay, I'm done rolling into this carry in this market and I'm taking stuff to town. I mean, it's, it's just a tough conversation on the grain side overall, isn't it, Matt? Absolutely. Especially when you consider, you know, the cost of production increases, you know, just even last year. And then to take the haircut that we have on price, it, it just kind of feels like a double whammy. It's like getting kicked while you're down. So, you know, it, it's become a very tenuous environment because there hasn't been, you know, a capitulation point. It, where we're at right now, it kind of feels like we're in a giant game of chicken between the commercials and managed money. And it's a matter of who blinks first. So, you know, the expiration of the March contract, you know, seeing positions roll out of it, I think you could see some follow through there, you know, particularly on the managed money side. You know, if they're if they're talking about it internally, you know, they could be looking at it here as, well, is the juice still worth the squeeze? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't necessarily have to roll a position. So effectively, the net short that managed money managed money funds have been building over the last 13 weeks, which is a crazy long time, you know, it could alleviate itself a little bit here and present an opportunity for, you know, a shorter term pop. But, you know, ultimately it remains a tight situation, particularly seeing a three handle on spot corn. It, it, it never feels comfortable. No, it does not feel comfortable. That is very, very true. And uh, Matt, too, you know, you think about the overall, you brought up the cost of inputs and obviously the overall interest rate environment, too, is a, is a big deal. That's still a talking point. You look at the outside markets, you know, stocks, of course, have been on their tear here at the beginning of the year, all time highs, you know, put in. You look at stocks to wrap up the week Friday, kind of mixed bag, energy's under pressure. I mean, there's, there's that whole aspect too. When could we see rate cuts, things like that? I feel like that's still a big catalyst that's weighing on these ag markets quite a bit, Matt. Absolutely. You know, the ramp up in volatility that we've seen in the outside markets, like, you know, it, we feel like we're walking on eggshells in the grains, even amidst this, you know, slow bleed that we've been in. But, you know, looking at the equity indices in particular, like the E-mini or like the ES contract or the NASDAQ, you know, before a couple earnings reports this week, you know, there was a lot of sentiment back and forth where it felt like, you know, these things might really fall out of bed here. And going back to the managed money side, if you saw a really robust correction in equities, you know, that could be another capitulation point forcing managed money that is involved in the grains to rebalance elsewhere. You know, if if they were, you know, say they were in a losing position, you know, on some of the equity futures, uh, the S&P, Russell 2000, NASDAQ, whatever it may be, as a means of, you know, changing their you know, risk exposure or their risk profile uh, that they have on. And you know, it still does kind of feel like we're on shaky ground. We did see periods of volatility or, you know, volatility indexes increase this week. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the cattle contracts where we did have bearish divergence on some of the, or on the front month, uh, live cattle and feeder cattle contracts, you, know, you do see that in the ES contract as well. 
Matt, great perspective. Really appreciate you being on the show with us here to kind of wrap up the week. Final thoughts from you. Uh, what do you want folks to remember as they kind of head into the weekend? Maybe not having a great feeling about a lot of these markets, especially on the ag side. I mean, what would you reiterate to folks to keep in mind here as they're looking at their marketing strategy right now, Matt? Every situation is unique. You know, whether you're completely marketed for you know 23 or you're sitting on 80% of your, you know, your corn bushels, you have to kind of remember that, you know, the market is going to move no matter what it's prudent to manage your exposure and, you know, the, the possibility that prices could still move lower from where we're at. That being said, there, there will be opportunities and there will be instances where we see rallies that provide opportunities to sell into, you know, navigating a bear market, you know, it, it's never comfortable, but it's the situation that we find ourselves in currently, at least for the grains. Know, on the cattle side, it's it's a far different story, but taking a moment to step back and try and take emotion out of it is paramount, in my opinion. Well, great thoughts. Appreciate the perspective. I know folks can uh, learn more. Reach out online, bluelinefutures.com. Matt Bresnahan with Blue Line Futures. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk, and we'll look forward to getting you back on the program again in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. Once again, Matt Bresnahan there with Blue Line Futures joining us to wrap up Market Talk here today. Again, those cattle on feed numbers came in a little bit off the expectations. We'll see how the market reacts on Monday. Grain's a tough one all week long. Coming up here this next week, we'll be at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. We're going to be spending time with the National Corn Growers Association on Thursday and Friday during the trade show. So stop on by the NCGA booth and see us as we broadcast Market Talk Live from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on Thursday and Friday. We're out of time here on Market Talk. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.